Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T. Hi, everybody. I'm back. I mean, I'm not 100%, but I couldn't help it. I wanted to record, so here I am. As always, I just ask that after you listen to or watch the video, if you find you enjoyed it or learned anything, just do me a favor, smash that like button, and consider subscribing. Now, let's dig in. It is a dark irony that 49-year-old Suzanne Morphew, a loving mother to two daughters, should die over Mother's Day weekend when she should have been having a weekend in which she was pampered. Instead, she lost her life, which meant she lost the opportunity to watch her beautiful daughters bloom into women lost the chance to grow old and gray, and also lost the chance to find a man with whom she could feel safe and adored, but mostly safe. Suzanne had just told Barry, her husband, that she wanted to end their marriage before she vanished. She also told friends and family that Barry was abusive, controlling, and manipulative. She added that they had been having some financial issues. If there was a perfect recipe for a messed up marriage leading to a crime like this, this would be the cocktail. One partner wants divorce, the other partner doesn't want divorce for whatever reasons, be it financial, be it controlling, be it doesn't want to lose any of those beautiful assets like that big gorgeous home. Divorce means dividing things up. Divorce means having to pay alimony. Divorce can mean a lot of financial loss. Barry Morphew continues through his lawyers to express how unfair it is that so many people feel he played a role in Suzanne's demise. He even had the audacity to file a lawsuit against prosecutors, local and state and federal investigators for $15 million. Well, sorry, Barry, but your behavior on the weekend that your wife lost her life was very suspicious. I think even you would have to admit that. Of course, you are currently presumed innocent, no charges are pending against you, so you're good for the moment. So today we're going to review Barry's behavior over that weekend because at least to me, it tells a story. A story of a husband who maybe didn't want to lose his wife to another man and lose the money and assets that would go away in a divorce. Suzanne sent her very last selfie to her secret boyfriend on Saturday, May 9th, 2020 at 2.03 p.m. That's it for Suzanne. She never has a chance to send or receive another message. She doesn't have a chance to even text, help me. And remember, she was in mid-conversation with her secret boyfriend at that time via those messages. She had also been in a conversation with her best friend, whose daughter was getting married that weekend. And Suzanne was interested in every detail, and she never responded back to her best friend either. The investigators know from Barry's cell phone location data that he approached his and Suzanne's house on foot Saturday afternoon at around 2.44 p.m. That's when he returned home from a landscaping job. 
and he had texted Suzanne two times on the way home, and she failed to respond. So I suspect he was mightily PO'd by the time he arrived there. And if he caught her in the process of speaking to her secret boyfriend, that likely would have put him right over the top. It is not unusual for men with certain personalities, when they are enraged, to possibly go too far and to harm their wives to the point where the wives are unable to be revived. Now, this is all allegedly, I'm speculating here, but this is what I think may have gone down. And so as not to discriminate, let me also say that women have been known to do this to their male partners as well. So Barry gets home at 2.44 p.m., and that's when he was seen moving around the outside of the house through his cell phone data. When investigators asked him what he was doing, Barry said, quote, I shoot chipmunks. When the agent said, well, it looked more like you were chasing a chipmunk, Barry allegedly replied, yeah, I was. I've shot 85 chipmunks because they got into my furnace and cost me a bunch of money. Anyone find it weird that he's tallied how many chipmunks he's killed? We also know that Suzanne was in the backyard sunbathing and communicating with Jeff Libler, her boyfriend. Did Barry sneak up on Suzanne, catch her communicating with her lover, and then this enraged him to the point where he snapped? Also note that three minutes after arriving home at 2.47 p.m., Barry's phone went into airplane mode, where it would stay until 10.17 p.m. that night. Did he deliberately switch it to airplane mode? If so, why? And is this when the doorframe to the master bedroom was damaged? Because investigators found cracking in the wood around that door, and when they spoke to the original owners, they said the doorframe had been intact when they sold the home to the Morphews. Did Barry chase Suzanne, and did she run maybe into the house, upstairs, and into the master bedroom, where she then barricaded herself in behind a locked door? Could it have been in that bedroom that she lost her life? Investigators did find an unspent twenty-two caliber bullet on the floor next to Barry and Suzanne's bed. They also found what appeared to be a rifle storage case under the bed. Coincidence? Are there coincidences in true crime? What was Barry up to while in airplane mode until 10.17 p.m.? Let's say he did harm Suzanne, as in do her in. Would this be when he went into cleanup mode? And while he was in airplane mode, could he have gotten into his truck and driven down to that location where Suzanne's remains were later found? How many cell phone towers are out there, and did his phone ping on any of those towers? I would think that if you had just done a person in, the first thing you would want to do would be get rid of the body, put as much space between you and your home and that body. Having his phone in airplane mode would have allowed him to make that journey without detectives later being able to look at his phone records and see that he drove down there. Once that body's out of the way, then he would have likely wanted to tackle any evidence in and around the house. This would have been when he was cleaning up any blood, allegedly, if there was blood there, and when he put the sheets in the washer and dryer. Allegedly, with all those events happening with his truck, it seems like Barry was a very busy chipmunk that night. He was busy as a beaver, busy as a chipmunk. Personally, I don't think he got any sleep that night. 
He told the authorities that his alarm woke him up at 4:30 a.m. Sunday to leave for a landscaping job. If you had been opening and closing your car doors at 3:25 a.m. up until 3:45 a.m., are you really going to then climb into bed for 45 minutes of sleep only to have an alarm wake you at 4:30 a.m.? It doesn't seem likely. And remember, Barry works for himself. He doesn't have to put himself through this torture on Sunday morning to drive all the way to Broomfield. His workers, I believe, are going to work on it for him either Sunday and definitely on Monday. And also, Sunday is Mother's Day. Wouldn't you think he would want to spend the bulk of the day with his wife? Suzanne had already dealt with two rounds of cancer. Her life was precious. You would think every Mother's Day would be so precious to Barry and to the girls that they wouldn't want to be anywhere but with her. In all fairness, the daughters were headed back home to have dinner with their mom, so they were planning to spend some time with her. So Barry said that the alarm woke him at 4.30 a.m., but when the investigators went to look, they found no record of this alarm on his phone. So Barry then changed the story to, he must have just woken up on his own. Shady, shady. Especially if you just went to bed at 3.45 a.m. I'm thinking you're going to be exhausted. Are you really going to just wake up yourself 45 minutes later? Barry also tells the cops that he left home at 5 a.m., and drove the 150 miles to Broomfield. He also says that Suzanne was still sleeping in bed when he left. Personally, I think that Suzanne was already deceased at this point and buried in that shallow grave. Note that the locations where Suzanne's teal bike helmet and her bike were found were in the opposite direction to the route Barry took to his job site Sunday morning. His cell phone and GPS activity showed the investigators that he drove by both of those spots Sunday morning. Barry then failed to tell the cops about that. He only fessed up when the police confronted him with it, and that's when he claimed he saw a bull elk and followed it down the road. Why do his explanations always involve hunting scenarios? I would say because he is primarily a hunter. That's his M.O., and so if he is responsible for Suzanne's death, then he was hunting her on Saturday. And again, he also drove by the ravine where her bike would later be found. And when the investigators saw the bike, they felt that it had been staged there. At 8.14 a.m. Sunday, investigators say Barry's phone placed him at the Holiday Inn Express in Broomfield. And a half an hour later, he was captured on a security camera carrying trash bags and other items to dumpsters there. Why did he have so much garbage that early in the morning? How much work did he do that resulted in all this garbage? He told the investigators that he went to the job site at 10 a.m., but then he was later spotted at 10.20 a.m. at a McDonald's restaurant where yet another surveillance camera captured him stuffing items into two different trash cans. Between 10.47 a.m. and 11.18 a.m., his phone was at a men's warehouse store. They didn't have security cameras, unfortunately, but his truck telematics showed that the driver and passenger doors opened and closed at least seven times. Was that Barry shopping at the men's warehouse? 
or was that him dumping more trash? I don't think Barry realized he was getting spotted by all these surveillance cameras. Can you imagine his surprise upon being shown this footage by the cops? Big Brother is always watching, Bear Bear. According to security footage and cell phone data, Barry returned to the hotel at 11.23 a.m. and walked in the lobby wearing a black t-shirt. When he left his room at 11.56 a.m., he was wearing a white t-shirt. Why the change? His phone places him at his work site for the next 30 minutes. Then he returns for 10 minutes to the hotel where he's captured on security footage carrying a large white trash bag, a black container, and possibly a piece of clothing and walking toward hotel dumpsters. What was he throwing out? He told the investigators he used this system to dispose of trash from his landscaping jobs instead of paying to get rid of it at an official dump. So clearly, Barry doesn't mind dumping all his crap in other people's dumpsters. What a lovely role model for his children. Nobody notices Suzanne is missing until her daughters, who are away on a trip, tried unsuccessfully to get through to her. When she didn't respond or pick up, the daughters called the neighbors to ask if they could go and check on their mom. When the neighbors are unable to find Suzanne, they call Barry to let him know that she's missing. Barry suggests that Suzanne might be out biking, and he asks the neighbors to check to see if her bike is in the garage. When the neighbors tell him that the bike's not there, Barry asks them to dial 911 for him because he claims he's driving home and he doesn't have cell service. The authorities, however, later figure out that Barry was at the hotel at that time and he did have cell service. Very strange that he would not want to make the 911 call himself. Just after 7.30 p.m., investigators find Suzanne's undamaged bike in a nearby ravine. Suzanne isn't with the bike. Barry is seen arriving back home in his truck at around 8.45 p.m. Clearly, he didn't leave Broomfield the minute he thought that Suzanne was missing. He asked the cops whether or not Suzanne had been attacked by a mountain lion. He adds that he's been tracking one in the area. So this is Barry suggesting an alternate theory when the accident theory doesn't seem to be panning out with investigators. The police are clear that there are no signs of such an attack and Barry seemed to be supplying all the possible scenarios as to what happened. The police could quickly see that the bike riding accident and mountain lion attack were not really logical given the lack of bike damage, given the lack of an injured Suzanne near the bike, given the lack of blood which you would expect to see had she been attacked by a mountain lion. And you know, Barry should have known that because he is a hunter. So no wonder Barry went to the top of the suspect list, not only in the minds of investigators, but also in the minds of web sleuths. All this stuff looks terribly suspicious. Sorry, Bear Bear. But again, Barry Morphew is currently presumed innocent. He has no charges against him. But if it looks like a chipmunk, if it scurries like a chipmunk, if it eats acorns like a chipmunk, then it might just be a chipmunk. That's the situation. And I'll see you next time on Bed Crime Stories.